Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle, and on today's episode, we are picking back up right where we left off, continuing the discussion of NFL awards races. We have done episodes on NFL MVP. We did an episode on NFL Coach of the Year. And today we are talking about NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year odds. We are going to follow a similar template of the previous episodes. We're going to talk about the criteria to win this award. We are going to look at the last 10 years and say, who generally wins Rookie of the Year? And what hints does that give us into who might win the award this year? Step one will be to look at the history of the Rookie of the Year winners from the last 10 years. Step two is to create a reasonable list of candidates for this season. And step three will be to find the names and the values and the numbers actually worth wagering on and create a small portfolio of names to win Rookie of the Year for the 2022-2023 NFL season, which is like two weeks away. Let's go. Let's go. I am so excited. We are going to definitely be profitable on the advantage, hopefully in both DFS and wagering. It has been about eight years since I had a losing wagering season on the NFL. It has been multiple years since I consistently did DFS, but I'm jumping back into that space for sports ethos. And previously, I did quite well in that arena too. Before we get started on talking about Rookie of the Year odds, I want to start off with the disclaimers I usually hit you guys with, which is to, one, please follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14. I think I'm a pretty good Twitter follow these days. I don't have that many followers, but my tweets are quality, quality tweets. Number two, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. On whatever platform you are listening, I would love to see some more written ratings come in. So if you could please drop a five stars and a this podcast is great because Mike's the best gambling host I've ever heard, that would be awesome and I would really appreciate it. And number three, I highly recommend you guys join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. That is where I post every single bet when I take it at the odds I take it. So if you want to tail my plays directly, the best way to get the same number and the same value and the same lines that I get is to follow my bets in those spaces. Again, the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. It is a great place. There's fantasy information. There's handicappers for other NFL and other sports. And collectively, it's extremely profitable if you were to just sit back and tail all of the sports ethos experts. So again, follow me on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, and join the Sports Ethos Discord. I am going to be releasing episodes for this podcast on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays of the NFL season. 
But that doesn't mean I won't be active and betting and in those Discord and wager pass areas on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. So if you feel like you want extra doses of Mike Fiddle, that's where you find them. Okay. Let's talk about NFL Rookie of the Year. Step one of this process is to review the last 10 years of winners and see what can we learn and what can we apply to the data set that we have going into this season. In the last 10 years, we have four quarterbacks, two wide receivers, and four running backs. They are. Quarterbacks are Herbert, Kyler, Dak, and the short-lived amazing run of RG3. The wide receivers, there are two. Jamar Chase last year, and in 2014, Odell Beckham Jr. of the New York Giants. Man, he was so good that year. The four running backs, we start with another giant, my guy, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, and the king of the Chinese food, Eddie Lacy. My first note is that it's actually a bit hard to predict rookie of the year based on position. The only offensive position that I feel like we can comfortably cross off the list, especially going to this season, is tight end. Perhaps last season we could have said maybe Kyle Pitts, but this year there is no elite tight end prospect that we think is going to put up cumulative stats to be considered a rookie of the year candidate. The last time we had a tight end winner was 20 years ago in the 2002 NFL season by another New York Giant. Why are my New York Giants winning all these rookie of the years? It's probably not a good thing because that means you're picking higher in the draft. Anyways, the Giant who won tight end, do you know who it is? I wore his jersey all the time on Sundays. I couldn't replicate the blonde hair coming out the back of the helmet. Have I given you guys enough time? The last tight end to win Rookie of the Year was Jeremy Shockey. So again, hard to predict Rookie of the Year based on position. The commonality between these guys seems to be opportunity. All of those rookies who are the running backs were drafted into 1A running back situations immediately. We knew that Saquon was the guy for the Giants and going to get a workload about 80% of the running back volume going into his rookie season. He was a three-down workhorse from day one. Same thing with Gurley. And Kamara was such a gadget that I guess you can say the same thing for him. And same thing for Eddie Lacy as well. Eddie Lacy's first year, he was getting 300 carries. These guys were drafted, and we knew they were going to get the ball right away. The wide receivers also showed up to their team as instantaneous wide receiver ones. Are you going to tell me that Jamar Chase wasn't the wide receiver one last year going into the season? We had heard about his drops 
We had heard about him not seeing the football as well because the difference between the college ball and the NFL ball. And we saw him plunging down fantasy draft boards because of these preseason stories. But that man was always the number one receiver for the Bengals last year. T. Higgins slid over to the number two, and Tyler Boyd was their slot guy. But we knew before week one started, Jamar Chase is going to be that guy for Joe Burrow. Kyler, Dak, and RG3 all started week one of their rookie season. Remember, RG3 was drafted, I think, second overall behind Andrew Luck. And the Redskins at the time, then turned Washington football team, now turned Washington commanders. They drafted Kirk Cousins, who was a rookie, with RG3. We knew that RG3 was going to be a rookie starter with a rookie backup. Kyler, first overall pick, clear starter from day one. Remember Dak Prescott was with Tony Romo in Dallas? But we knew Romo had that preseason back injury, and he retired in the preseason. We knew at this time during Dak's rookie season, he would be starting week one, and Dak played all 16 games as a rookie. The only slight exception to this is Justin Herbert. The only reason that's an outlier is because, do we really need to say the Tyrod Taylor story again? Tyrod Taylor was the starter for the Chargers, and then he was going to get treatment before week two, literally after one game of the season, and the trainer stabbed him with the needle and ended up puncturing his lung pregame. Justin Herbert was told, hey, man, you're starting today. And he never looked back. We did not know that Herbert would start that day. We did not know that Herbert would be the starting quarterback for week two on Saturday of that week. But once he stepped in, he took over. Now, there are quite a few examples of quarterbacks who did not start 16 games who would then come out and win this award. So I think that is something we can put into consideration for the guys this year. Last season, again, Jamar Chase won the award, but we had an outlier number of rookie starting QBs. Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson were preseason starters from day one. Justin Fields, we knew, was coming at some point. And Trey Lance was taken with the third overall pick. Even though he actually barely saw the field, there was so much chatter that the 49ers were eventually going to put Jimmy aside and give Lance the role. We had up to five quarterbacks that could have been candidates last year. I ended up putting money on Lawrence and Mac Jones. And it looked really good because Mac Jones was the betting favorite before the final week of the season where he was a minus 400 favorite for rookie of the year. And then Jamar Chase comes out and has over 200 yards, two touchdowns, and completely flips the script. And the Bengals would go on to play in the Super Bowl. So I actually kind of think even though I lost my bet 
and I might still be a little bitter about it, history kind of seems correct in giving Chase the award because the way the Bengals postseason played out. The next question I asked myself in doing the research and starting to handicap Rookie of the Year is, does the record of the team who has the Rookie of the Year candidate actually matter? I always reference basketball. I know the basketball awards like the back of my hand. And I know that in Rookie of the Year basketball, it actually makes no difference whether the team goes 12 and 70, 41 and 41, or ends up winning 60 games. You're actually more likely to see the Rookie of the Year come from a team that wins 12 games. Because the voting does not care if they impact winning the voting cares about the sheer volume of statistics that those players put up. And generally, if you're on a worse team, you're okay playing the younger guys more minutes and the players from the worst teams accumulate a higher number of total stats and thus win the award. So there is zero correlation between how a team does and if that helps the player actually win the award. In football... We can note that it helps, but it's not mandatory. Last year, we talked about Mac Jones and Jamar Chase. The Bengals and Patriots were both playoff teams. That's where the two main candidates came from last year. However, when the Giants' two players won, Odell and Saquon, neither team was a playoff team. Odell's Giants were 6-10 in 2014. Saquon's Giants were 5-11 in 2018. Ugh, I remember watching those games. So in general, it's hard to know what position that this award comes from. It's mainly based on opportunity and accumulated accumulation of statistics. And how we project a team to do does not overly matter in the award process. This is becoming a pretty hard award to handicap. You don't know which position gets priority. You don't know if a better team gets priority. And we've even seen examples where the players who weren't playing in week one got the award multiple times. So how are we going to handicap this? For one, we can acknowledge that this level of confusion is baked in to the odds. There is no one even close to where Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones or Zach Wilson were last year. The shortest odds on Rookie of the Year right now are Kenny Pickett at plus 900. Last year, we went into the season with Lawrence, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields, all of them at less than a plus 900. So, because there is less clarity of who are going to be the lead candidates for this race, the odds are longer. 
So let's talk about a few names, a few key positions, and say, where might we want to put some of our money? The first thing I'm going to do is I am going to put a small ticket on Kenny Pickett. It is a plus 900, a 9-to-1 underdog. It is the betting favorite going into the year. But the reason to do this is because this season, there is not one single projected rookie quarterback to start week one. Zero of them. In fact, Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback drafted in the entire first round this year. This season was an anomaly in terms of quarterback depth. And if you have been tuned in to what's the reports coming out of the Steelers camp, Kenny Pickett seems to be a guy that they love. Mitch Trubisky seems to be struggling a bit. The team's win total is projected at seven and a half. So if they are struggling, they're going to make the quarterback change at some point. And Pickett is going to get his chance this year to put up big numbers right away and make a difference. For these reasons, I am okay putting two-tenths of a unit on Kenny Pickens prior to the season starting. If you listen to the reports out of Steelers camp so far, it seems very, very likely that Trubisky is the starter week one. But there is a lot of chatter that Coach Mike T, Tomlin, can't keep Pickett off the field. And that every day Pickett is giving him more and more reason to be considered the week one starter. So for that reason, I do think it's worth playing a little bit of money on it now. If we have an announcement that Mitch is definitely, definitely, definitely the starter, you might want to wait a week, two weeks, because his number might drop if he's not active in the games. And if he's activated week four, you won't see a plus 900 again. I am going to play a little bit on the plus 900 now because I am not unconvinced that Pickett isn't the starter week one or very shortly after, so much so that it does not impact his odds after week one. But gambling theory would say that there is an increased likelihood that his odds become longer and you get a better number if you were to wait on this situation. I am going to put a small wager on it now. And if I get a better number and Mitch is struggling, I might jump in or I might hold off. I think the value right now is worth a small play. The second guy worth a small play is Chris Olave of the New Orleans Saints. Do we really know who's going to be the Saints number one receiver this year? Is Michael Thomas back and healthy? Is Jarvis Landry I mean, Jarvis Landry is like a number two receiver or number three slot guy on any team he plays in. And they have Jameis as the full-time starting quarterback. They move Taysom Hill to a full-time tight end. And we know Jameis puts up some big old stats. He makes those box scores look good. And what does that mean? If Jameis has 4,500 yards, Chris Olave likely has a 1,000 of them. Chris Olave at 10 to 1 is also worth two-tenths of a unit. 
Damian Pierce is 16 to 1 as the Texans starting running back. He has been named the starter. He has been anointed the guy. And we are hearing that the Texans absolutely love him and he is a dog. However, let me give you reasons not to buy into that hype and not to back Damian Pierce as an offensive rookie of the year. This is what I call the Alperin Shangun example. Everyone got behind Shangun, the center of the Rockets, like he was going to be the next Jokic. Shangun, 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 don't leave your fantasy draft without him. He's going to go off. The Rockets know that Shangun was a player, and they knew they wanted him to be part of their core and a piece of their team for a long time. They also knew that they were going to stink this year and that there was no point in throwing him to the Wolves and letting him get totally beat up and potentially taking years off the back end by giving him too much run and too many minutes. So all of last basketball season, Shangun was showing these flashes. We'd have an occasional 20 points and 12 rebounds and five assists, a crazy box score, and he'd play 28 minutes, and the next night he would only play 12. And you'd be like, Coach, why aren't you giving Shangun more run? And the coach would say, his body's not ready for it yet, and we know he's going to be a piece for a long time, so we are bringing him on slowly. That is what is going to happen to Damian Pierce. The Texans are going to suck so much, and they believe so strongly that Pierce is a part of their team in the future, that there is no reason to give him 250 or more carries to try and get to a four or five win team. What they want Pierce to do is have 130 carries, see the right opportunities on the field, keep his body fresh, and come back next year or two years from now when this Texans team is really ready to make the leap and truly be a three-down workhorse back. They still have Rex Burkhead. They still have Marlon Mack. They still have these veterans that they are going to split touches with, and Pierce is going to get the ball 10, 12 times a game, 8 to 10 times a game, between the 20s, low Priority touches, maybe some goal line work we don't know. And this team is really going to suck and have limited running opportunities throughout the course of the season. Damian Pierce looks nice because he's got a starting job at 16 to 1, but I believe it is a waste of some money. The two running backs to actually invest in are Brian Robinson Jr. The new rookie for the Washington Commanders. And Tyler Algier. Robinson is 20 to 1. Bit of a long shot. He comes in this season potentially behind Antonio Gibson. Potentially behind J.D. McKissick. I don't know. If you've been reading anything that's coming out of Washington, Antonio Gibson seems like an absolute mega dud this season. Ron Rivera just said they're excited to have Antonio Gibson returning kicks. They gave Antonio Gibson 200 carries and 50 catches last year. You do not give someone who you gave 250 touches to the kick returning duties. 
We already know the NFL is trying to remove kickoffs from the league because they are the most high risk for injury plays on the field. Why give one of your best players the ball in such a high risk, low reward opportunity? The answer is because the, I say the Redskins, the commanders have come to realize that Gibson is not one of their best players with the ball. They actually love this Robinson guy. They actually might be competitive in a horrible, horrible NFC East and have an upgrade in Carson Wentz that I think they could be a surprise team. And at 20 to 1, that's a good bet. The next one's Tyler Algier. 75 to 1 long shot. Whew. This is the, this guy might break through as an absolute workhorse. And he might be that Alfred Morris rookie 1,400-yard season or whatever it was. Arian Foster, 1,600 yards when he came on the scene. Tyler Algier is a power run back in a zone running scheme in Atlanta. The only running back in front of him is Cordell Patterson, who's over 30 years old and spent 95% of his career playing wide receiver. They got rid of Mike Davis, and they brought in Algier to be that power back guy. There is a good chance that Algier is just better in this system than Cordell Patterson is, and he takes over. Algier is a guy who, if you're a fantasy player, try leaving your draft at the end with him. Try waiting a few weeks and see if he pops because Algier could be a guy by week five or six, seven, eight, that he is the lead back in the Falcons and getting 20 carries a game. If that happens and Algier puts up 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns, you have found your rookie of the year at 75 to 1 odds. That's also a situation where if he does get the job and moves up the board, if you have such a long shot ticket on him, and we have a few of these other long shots in the, in the realm, we will be able to easily hedge with whatever lead candidate does emerge from the pack. I am not willing to play anything on Malik Willis. I do think this is Tannehill's job still. I do think the Titans are going to continue to be a competitive team and try and win some games. They were the number one seed in the entire AFC last year. I know I'm fading the Titans from being as good this year, but let's not get ahead of ourselves that they're going to be some atrocious team and bring in a rookie quarterback because they don't need to still win games. A bunch of receivers, Jamison Williams, Christian Watson, Traylon Burks, not getting the best reports from early in camp. The only guy getting unbelievable praise is George Pickens. And if he becomes the guy, ultimately I think it's Pickett that wins the award for the Steelers. So no play on Pickens for me either. We're hearing Brees Hall is splitting reps with Michael Carter, that Michael Carter is running with the 1As. I'm not going to invest in a running back who is not the established starter at just a 12-to-1. 
I gave out Damian Pierce as the established starter, still not to bet on at 16 to 1. So to wrap this up, the guys worth a play are Kenny Pickett, Chris Olave, Brian Robinson Jr., and Tyler Algier. That gives us a quarterback, a wide receiver, two running backs, one of which is an extreme long shot. And we have three guys who are towards the top of the pack, even though they are 9-1, to 10-1, to one, and 20-1 to one for being some of the shortest odds for Rookie of the Year. I hope that helps. It is two-tenths of a unit on all four of those guys for a total of 0.8 units on NFL Rookie of the Year. This is creating an investment portfolio of names where if any of the four names were to win, we would become profitable and get a nice ROI. That is how we are approaching these awards. That is how I approach the books as a better, is to find value spots, put in a few bets, send the chickies out, and hope they come home as hatched ducklings. All right. Next week is going to be the start of giving out some week one lines. It'll be a recap of my fantasy draft and who I'm going to have in my season-long league. And then we will be turning the corner into the final week of preseason stuff where I will actually start giving out week one DFS plays. So excited again. Cannot wait. Looking forward to the whole thing. And as always, we will talk soon. Peace out. We'll be right back.